Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we're in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on. And it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to dig into the games that my guests and I enjoy playing. It's to talk about big industry events and talk to the people who create these games. Now, over the years, I have asked for requests for podcast topics. And there have been a few consistencies across the years of things that people want me to talk about. Obviously, Bolt Action is the most requested topic for this show. People always want me to come back. Um, people want the Ghost Army to come back, but of course, that's Bolt Action adjacent. But there's always other game systems that pop up from time to time. And a lot of those we've covered on the show in the past. But there's been a couple of topics that I've just embarrassingly never gotten to. And today we are going to hit one of those topics. Many of you have heard about one page rules, and we will talk more about the company in a second. But I have had an unbelievable number of requests, particularly in the last six months, by people who want me to talk about the game Grim Dark Future. Now, you might think, oh, you mean 40K? No, I don't. I mean, Grim Dark Future by One Page Rules. And that's a conversation I've had about a dozen times in the last week when posting pictures in preparation for a local One Page Rule Grim Dark Future event. It is its own game system. What really got me going for this was seeing that a local game club, one that I was actually not familiar with and wanted to be familiar with, they're close to my house, um, was running a one-page rules Grim Dark Future event. And it it was a perfect alignment of the planets and that I had some, some old armies that I wanted to put together. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But to bring this long-winded introduction, you know, in for a landing, let me introduce my guests. We have the two gentlemen that actually ran the event that I just played in, the committee, the TO, Cotios. From the Warpling Club, we have Alec and Lucas. Gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here, Brad. You guys are from the Warpling Club. What got you interested in one-page rules? Specifically, because the Warplings have traditionally been a Games Workshop heavy club, predominantly Warhammer 40k, if I understand that correctly. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Um, so what got me originally interested in one-page rules was the uh, simplicity of play. Um, ninth edition um, has been very rules-heavy. Uh, th that is 40, uh, 40K ninth mm -hmm. edition. Uh, and the updates um, grand tournaments have been coming thick and fast. So it's been, it's been difficult to keep up with the game itself. So that's been... Um, that's been uh, basically a bit of burnout uh, for me. And then on my journey, um, I suppose your uh, listeners might be familiar with some skirmish games as well, uh, such as Kill Team and Warcry. Oh, yeah. Uh, really fell in love with Warcry in particular. Now, that, that's a very slimmed down um, 
tabletop game where you're simply only, say, rolling one set of dice for an activation. And I thought, wow, this is this is just so much fun and easier to play. And mm-hmm. then I'm looking back at um, the laborious task that it is playing 40k, and I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way to do it. And because there's no original thought in the world, I'm like, probably somebody else has come up with the idea on the internet. Uh, and then searching and actually um, talking to people in the Warhammer competitive uh, subreddit, uh, somebody mentioned one page rules and had a look and pretty much immediately fell in love being able to play um, an activations based game, simplified, uh, standardized keywords, things like that. Just being able to play and use my models um, just in an easy way. Well, Alec was like the one that introduced it to me, actually. Um, I used to go to Warplings quite regularly, and then life happened. And um, one day I met this tall, handsome man, and he had this uh, weird uh, game system that was like, okay, one-page rules, sure, why not? Um, Because at at that time, I've also kind of started to weed myself off um, you know, ninth edition as well, and I was actually playing more um, Apocalypse, the, uh, the the really big scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but playing that at the smaller point level, so the size of the game would be about you know the equivalent of like maybe three, four thousand points, but you know with mm-hmm. a different system, um, just in search of that streamlined experience because I. I don't have time. Like, I, I don't want to be doing homework anymore. Like, I'm I'm well past high school. You know, I just want to play <laughs> exactly. my game. I'm going to quote Alec here. Uh, because he said something brilliant on the weekend and it's stuck in my craw. When looking at games like Warhammer 40,000, we know that you need to be familiar with your army's rules. And the army books are big and they're beautiful and they're filled with texts. And there's all kinds of words and keywords and special rules for each and every unit in that army. That's kind of the Warhammer model. It's always been that way and it's gotten progressively bulkier over time, although it probably even doubted an edition or two ago, but there's still a lot to know for your own army. Throw in everyone else's armies, particularly if you are going to play at some sort of event, friendly, casual, cutthroat, you know, whatever. You need to know a lot of rules just to play the game beyond the basic rules. What Alex said and stuck with me is something that I really like about bolt action. It is one page rules. Grim dark future is a game that uses a lot of keywords. It uses a lot of um, generic rules that match everyone and how it rearranges the numbers and those keywords is how each race has its own fluff. All of those races do feel different, but the resulting game is really easy to pick up and play. It means that you don't have to spend years memorizing your books and everyone else's books. Instead of focusing on that, when you go to play the game, it's a very tactical experience because you're focusing on what you're doing on the table more than, oh, wait, what does that unit do? And it makes for a very fun strategic gaming experience. Alec, did I know I used about a thousand words when you used about two sentences, but am I summing up your feelings on that? 
Yeah, um, and I think there's a little bit more depth to there as well. It's like not only uh, just remembering what units can do in 40k, but there's always uh, the potential for gotcha moments with things like stratagems as well. So you really need to like dig into the, the depths of your opponent's books to understand or be playing them regularly. Uh, another really strong part of uh, One Page Rules is the Army Forge app, which I'm sure we'll talk about yes, more later. Um, but you can just click on the uh, special rule and it will give you a drop down instead of having to flick through a book or even um, things like Battle Scribe are somewhat uh, laborious. Like it's now standard in practically every tournament or like even just playing amongst friends that you've got uh, Wapedia open for 40k, whereas mm -hmm. um, one page rules, you don't need that. You can have the entire army list on a play display in, mm -hmm. the, in their uh, free web app. And so it's just so much more convenient um and then in regards to like the tactical play itself because it's alternating activations like bolt mm -hmm. action it's not you're planning your move and your opponent goes and sees what's going on at other tables and they're disengaged it's it's more similar play style to something like chess yeah it's the old 40k i i used to remember playing competitively there was a guy that i played Oh God, what was on the forums? He was Black Knight. I'm trying to remember Lee Carpenter, maybe. Anyway, he famously would play very competitively, but he would also do the okay, I'm gonna go for a cigarette. Um, you move and do your thing, and I'll be right back. And then you would he would disappear and you would do move everything. He's like, I trust you, it's fine. And then you just sit there and wait, and then he'd come back and you'd play the rest of the turn. This is not a game where you can do that. No bathroom breaks here. It is, it is a very immersive game because you're constantly interacting with your opponent and it makes for a really fun gaming experience. Lucas, um, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, if you remember the film's Incredibles, mm -hmm. the, the villains in that, he says, like, he has this line that says, like, you know, when, when everybody's super, nobody is. And I think exactly. in, in relations to 40K, it's like, yeah, you have all these stratagems and flavors and special rules but the net result is that a lot of that just gets canceled out yeah so why go through all that and you know of course the answer is to maybe sell more books or i mean look an argument i've heard and i think it's valid is that some people just have that one army that they just absolutely love and cherish and they're going to be mm -hmm. playing it for decades and sure they're going to want layers upon layers upon layers of rules to you know really flesh out the feel of that army and yep absolutely respect that that is absolutely not going to go away but for the rest of us who you know a bit more casual about the, like this sort of thing mm -hmm. you know we're not i, I don't want to be penalized for not having the time to you know give that amount of attention to my army and i also want to be able to jump around different armies too exactly and what's really exciting about this game is i know alec you mentioned the website but it, as you're looking at the armies that lucas is talking about they have on their website a free version of every army available in the game. Now, the basic rules and the more advanced rules are free. Now, there are more, the most advanced rules that cost, I believe, $7. But I warn you, at that point, it is no longer one-page rules. It's like uh, maybe a dozen pages of rules, but exactly. not the 250 pages of rules. <laughs> exactly. It's it's a and exactly right. It's like 15 pages double-sided, but it's cleanly written. It's well-written. And before you think, oh, this is just some strange fan rewrite of the rules. Yeah, it started that way. But over time, it's got a huge community that keeps growing. 
you get a free free access to all the rules regardless plus the army building not like an army list builder you can build your own army list access tools if you're a member of the patreon now to give you an idea of the size of the community for this game the patreon has from what i understand close to a hundred thousand subscribers a month this is a game that has a community that sends their feedback back. And because it isn't a game company that's trying to sell you new versions of the game, they're trying to balance the lists as they go. And so there are updates. They're currently beta testing all of the army lists. And in the betas, they say, are far more balanced than the original lists. And then they're going to evolve them again. Again, tightening it down, making it fun, making it fair. But all of the army lists are free. And you get an army list for every army that exists in 40K, plus a bunch of other ones that don't exist. I'm looking at you, space lizards, space ratmen, space jackal people, uh, and assorted other shenanigans in there. But what's really cool is there are entries in those armies for things that don't exist in 40K anymore. So you can actually go back in time and bring your old 40K armies out. You know, what, what was that guy in Monty Python? Bring out your dead. Well, that's what I did. I brought out my death guard and my death guard. The last time I really worked on those was like 11 years ago. And to have them on the table again was really exciting. So, but my, my death guard army doesn't look anything like what you would consider a current death guard army because it's like three editions, four editions old, but I was able to still put it on the table and have a wonderful time playing with it. It's just really exciting that there are so many opportunities to put what you have on the tabletop. And I know people have been messaging me because I've been mentioning, I've got these Star Wars Legion armies. I don't know what game to play with it because I don't really want to play Star Wars Legion. This is a fantastic game for that. And as you guys said, I don't remember. It may have been Lucas said a second ago, something along the lines of, um, oh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but... Um, just opening it up and looking at what was possible, it was instantly engaging. And for me, as second I looked at the website and started looking and figuring out how the army listing worked, I was hooked. Like, it's so good. And I don't just lightly say that. You guys know if I'm talking on the show, I'm typically into something. I have now played, what, seven games of this? And I want to play more now. I, I walked out of the, these gentlemen's event after three games in one day. And that night I wanted to play another game. And I can't tell you the last time in how many years of gaming that's happened. So this is a fun game. Now, another thing that makes this game really good is that it's a short game. So you have to be focused. It's almost like the first couple of turns of maneuvering and sort of chaff in a game that takes up a lot of time before you get into the nuts and bolts of gaming doesn't exist in this game. Star Wars Legion, you mean uh, your human defense force and your rebel guerrilla armies. Yes. Uh, because uh, one page rules is completely model agnostic. And as long as like the stats somewhat resemble what you're putting on the board, mm-hmm. away you go. Um, so yeah, you can have those um, old armies come in and play as well. So yeah, having the games be a bit quicker because you've got um, the alternating activations, you can actually get away with having a smaller army on both sides. So like your uh, listeners may be aware that um, 
40k, for example, runs with 2,000 points, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, quite a large army. And so the reason they need those 2,000 points is because of the nature of I go, you go, you need to be able to take that turn of uh, taking damage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas one page rules because it's that alternative alternating activations you're both pretty much always on the same footing as long as the terrain's good and it's not just uh playing on planet bowling ball um and because the games are alternating activations they can be smaller and you're doing so much less rolling and so much less thinking about oh which stratums to do and you're just moving the units it ends up being a lot more engaging and shorter game uh where you're still getting the same value out of it You're, you're doing like the boards look somewhat similar um but it's just it's just sped up so we were able to play uh three games for the tournament on the saturday uh in a very comfortable time we were having games finish uh in some cases under an hour which was which was great and they weren't just those games where you know you we always see those tournament games right where they're over in 20 minutes half an hour that you know the one-sided blowouts these weren't that it was people playing out a full game and it was taking an hour, hour and a half. Some of the playtest games, um, Dave Hunsdale, uh, our good friend who was on the last episode, we were looking at board games. He came over and we ran through some practice games for this event. And yes, he did play with me at this event. And we had the really interesting experience twice of setting up to play and then realizing that we finished our game and half the time that we were planning on it and getting a second game in. I mean, when was the last time that happened? I play a lot of games and it never goes short. It always goes long. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been, so I, I work a lot. I'm a, I'm a social worker. I'm, I work with people with disabilities. I work with young people. Um, you know, I have young people who are, you know, they, they love war gaming, but, you know, it's very intimidating for them. And, you know, I could take one page rule. I can introduce it to a 16 year old boy teaching the game in like 15 minutes and finish mm-hmm. like, you know, a 1500 point game in like within an hour. And yeah. he's, you know, keen for more. Like, yeah. that, it's such a valuable tool for me um, in my line of work. And it, it really does line up with the <coughs> ethos that we like to talk about on this show, which is easy to pick up. And I don't want to say hard to master, but there's a lot of tactical depth in there. The more I play, the more I see, and the more I want to see. It's, it's a lot of fun. Every game I've played has been a nail biter in one way or another. And that's wonderful. And it tells, it speaks volumes about the balance of the armies. Um, Cause I played of a lot of different races with my stuff now. And it really does speak volumes about how the game operates in that it's only four turns instead of the usual six that we're used to. Um, the boards are slightly smaller than what we're used to because of that to tighten it up. But also the game is a little vicious at times in that you can take some hits and have a lot of the stuff go. So in four turns, you have some stuff left on the table, but you would have about as much of your army as you probably expect after six turns. Again, you are really just getting down into the, ooh, do I move there? I have a limited amount of time. You really do need to focus what you're doing. And yeah, it, it just makes for a really tight tactical I don't know, experience. I do want to talk about one-page rules a lot more, and there will be more on future episodes, and yes, we will be talking about it more as we go. And if you are interested in following along with what we're talking about, I know it's probably about 20 minutes too late for that, 
but please go to one page rules in Google and you will find one page rules. Then go to grim, dark future. They make grim, dark future firefight, which is like a, a kill team s game, much simpler than kill team. They do a age of Sigmar type of game, uh, age of Sigmar skirmish type of game, which is almost like Warcry, except I, I hate to say it. I think war Warcry might be even more streamlined. Then you have a rank and flank game, a spaceship game, all kinds of games. But we're only going to be talking about Grim Dark Future for this. Before we move on to the actual event, though, have either of you experimented with any of the other one page rule sets at this point? Or is this, uh, are we st starting with one and moving our way into other directions? I've played um, quite a bit of fantasy and uh, quite um, and one game of the of the rank and file, mm -hmm. and the, the the beauty of the system is that you you know how to play one, you know how to play them all because mechanically they're they're basically the same, just you know different keywords, um, slightly different. Um, like the rank and file is probably the most different because you've got like angles and facings and all that to worry about. But the you know the the uh, age of sigma equivalent, um, age of fantasy. Um, yeah, it's if you can play Grim Dark Futures, you can pick up uh, Fantasy Army and off you go. Like, Brilliant. it might even be possible to to play uh, a fantasy game versus against a Grim, uh, Grim Dark Future Army. Wouldn't recommend it, but it, it's possible. I was gonna say, there's a lot of shooting in the 40k version, so there's uh, a lot of shooting. Yeah, yeah, there, there may end, uh, end up being a painful experience. Yeah. Alec, have you had a chance to dabble as well? Yeah, I've played a little bit of um, the Age of Fantasy regiments. Uh, I'm not actually the expert on it. Uh, Natalie at our club, uh, Warplings, she's she's very keen to uh, play with people, and they've also been so they've been growing their community um, there about. So yeah, it's been it's been very popular. There's definitely been nights where we've had more people playing Age of Fantasy than we've had playing age of sigma on in terms of the uh skirmish games i haven't actually really touched them because i, I gotta say um I've been, I've been talking a bit of smack to games workshop tonight but Warcry in particular is is an excellently made game and so i, have, mm. I haven't really felt the need um to transfer over um so yeah games workshop lift your game oh wow <laughs> I thought you were going to say something along the lines of with a game that's as streamlined and tactical and fun that is using, you know, like Grim Dark Future, where you're still playing an army sized game. It is a smaller army than, as you said, as you would see in a lot of 40K games, but you're still having that tight tactical experience. For me, I almost, I keep almost looking at the firefight rules and then going, nah, this actually what I want out of a skirmish game experience, I'm actually getting out of Grim Dark Future as a small scale, tight, tactical army experience, but still has the granularity almost of almost a skirmish game without being deep. I like it. Yeah, just just really quick on that. So the tournament that we'll be talking about, that was 2,500 points of one page rules. Mm -hmm. And so that's around equivalent of a thousand points of Warhammer 40k, as we've yeah, discussed, a thousand points of Warhammer 40k, not super balanced because you need to have that amount of army. Trying mm -hmm. to play the equivalent of 2,000 points of 40k with one-page rules—that's where it can actually get a little bit wonky because of the amount of activations that you've got. So you've actually got different sweet spots for the different games. True. True. And I mean, even games like Bolt's Action gets a little wacky once you have too many activations in the game. 
It just make it makes the order die mechanic get a little skewy um, and or take a really long time. Uh, well, let's talk about your event. This was held at the Warplings uh, this last weekend. And uh, I don't think I'm going to do the talk up quite as well as you did, Alec. Can you please do the explanation of the background of this event like you did on Saturday? Yeah, sure. This was this was the Battle of Shemadia. Uh, that was Lucas's idea, uh, which is an excellent choice of planet to do battle on. Um, the warlord Jabadon uh, was after one of his uh, master's prized possessions that fell out of his pocket on the planet. His master was Boris. Um, and so uh, we had our armies come in and battle over intel nodes to find out where the object was dropped. And then the, the next mission, they were scanning around, trying to find where the objects was dropped. And then in the final mission, they were battling over where they had found it as the planet was literally coming apart because they were having too much fun. I mean, battling to the death. Exactly right. <clears throat> no, nothing resembles anything else we've read in the fluff ever for any other game system. <laughs> Absolutely <clears throat> not at all. The, the uh, prized possession was a six-sided cube that could decide fate. <laughs> sound like anything I've got hundreds of behind me, but you know, absolutely right. not. Um, Lucas, how many guys did you guys have for this event? Because I mean, spoilers, this is kind of a big event, uh, for one page rules in general and for, uh, you know, a, a young and upcoming community. Oh, young. Oh, that's, that's really flattering. Um, the, we had 30, we had 30 players, which was, um, which is full house. Like we, we actually could not accommodate any more than that, um, you know, comfortably. So we were really, we were really thrilled. Like, you know, we've been advertising for, you know, like you know, a few months and, you know, the numbers, you know, we had like six, seven sitting on 10 for a while. Um, but we, we, we were quietly confident that, you know, as we got closer to the event, people will sign up and yeah, sure. Sure enough. Um, I think the last person to sign up was um, just a few days before the event. Mm -hmm. I think, and then he went on to win it. So, <laughs> yeah, I literally taught him how to play on the Tuesday before the event um, because we had made friends from me teaching him how to play Warhammer 40k. Um, and yeah, it seems like some of that tactical knowledge carried over, and he did quite well. Now, you guys, but I mean, as you say, 30 players is a lot. It was a one-day event, 30 players, three games. And we will talk a little bit about the missions in a minute, but it looked as a player and having looked around during the paint judging time is that you guys had a really nice spread of armies. It wasn't like there was 25 space Marine armies and five of everything else. It looked like there was a nice spread across the board. Um, is that actually the case or was that just my observation? I think that's oh, yeah. pretty accurate. Like as as the lists were coming in, because we asked people to submit their list beforehand to make sure it was all, you know, tournament legal. And you know, we had one player submitted, you know, a forty k list, not knowing exactly what we were doing. Um, so yeah, so we wanted to avoid that. And yeah, as the lists were coming in, it was a yes, like you say, a really nice spa uh, spread. Um, although if I had to say it, um, I think Robot Legion. You know, I think we had like you know, four, five, four, five armies out of the thirty. Um, you know, lots of chaos, um, lots, lots of plague disciples. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, like it's it it was so great to be at a tournament where it wasn't just all power armors everywhere. Yeah, you know? exactly right. <laughs> People yeah, brought the there's... armies they wanted to play. 
yes, not the army they felt like they had to play to follow some sort of meta. Like there is no meta. They, there was armies of all types. You know, we, we had knights, we had, you know, really swarmy armies, we had elite armies, and you know, they all did really well. Like, you know, when we say that, um, you know, the, somebody won it, like it was by like the slimmest of margin. Like, we had such a hard time actually figuring out who actually won the, the top three places. Um, That's right, because you guys actually had to backtrack and do some math on strength of schedule because it was such a tight field. Absolutely, like it was so much harder than I thought it was, and and I've only I'm a filmmaker. I only got an arts degree. Like I'm useless in this, so you know I have to do a shout out to Lap, our resident mm -hmm. you know lawyer, game expert. Like he he was the one that led that effort, and yeah, I'm so glad that we could declare a winner. But yeah, it was the slimmest of margins, and I think next time we do an event, we would certainly think about having maybe secondary missions or some other ways for people to earn more points, just to avoid that at the very end. And for those who remember back to when we were saying there are the the whole $7 version of the rules that you can buy. Uh, by the way, you don't have to subscribe to the Patreon. Um, I have not subscribed to the One Page Rules Patreon. I got the One Page Rules Grimdark Future rules from, I believe, Wargame Vault. Um, they do sell them on there. And yes, $7. And in there, there are secondary objectives. There are additional ways to do that. So if you're thinking, oh, this game doesn't have that sort of granularity, it does. Um, we were just using the more basic rules for this event, which begs the question, um, how do you think the basic rules, the quote unquote free rules, um, worked as a standalone system that you guys TO'd an event for? Do you think there are elements in the, the $7 version of the rules that you think are necessary to bring in or might be fun to bring in necessary no fun yes definitely like in the seven dollar version you'd have more rules about terrain you'd have more rules about um do you have the equivalent of stratagems mm -hmm. which i think is really interesting and i think for me that's the sweet spot where you can you know, play a few little tricks you know which which every army has access to so you don't have mm -hmm. the situation where one army stratagem is like so much better than the others now exactly could you possibly do some super deadly combo with that? Maybe we don't know. Like we need, I think um, you know, in these um, you know months after the tournament, we're probably going to test that out and find out. And and you know, when we when we can answer those questions, then we'll start planning the next event. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. The the core rules on its own, perfectly fine, perfectly fun. Um, and it's a game because it's so simple. Um, you know, with the keywords and all that, like it's quite simple to also make up your own custom rules to you know adjust a few things like yeah. for us in the tournament um you know we had these a um, lot of like line of sight issues and questions um that you know we did a house rule for and you know we we asked the community hey what do you feel about this and and we applied it at the tournament and i think overall like i think it was quite seamless like i, I think it, it worked quite well and you know people were pretty happy yeah they seem to be i mean i was watching a lot of games between my games and everyone was having a blast. There wasn't any ugly rules questions, at least not that I saw. And it was it was a really, you know, nice, casual feeling. People were pushing things around, having fun. And I think part of that was a distinct lack of gotcha moments um, that really helped field that. 
Yes, uh, the I reckon I'm I'm a big fan of the kiss mentality of keep it simple, stupid. So mm -hmm. just having the those core free rules that you can play and just go on. And then we decided to yeah, as Lucas said, uh, make some custom basic missions that um, would be varied throughout the tournament. So you you couldn't just simply um, tech into one type of army mm -hmm. um, yeah and so uh what, what one of the things about 40k is that like you need you need to have a lot of that knowledge to be able to play properly and so i've been i've been working really hard at the club over the last um couple of years of introducing a lot of um new players giving them that um like easy first game where we're not even talking about stratagems and secondary objectives and stuff like that. Just like again that kiss mentality, just to just to get them around it. And so like I've seen like how they go and like how long it takes to to build up that understanding of the game as they continue and play some more of the uh, competitive players and get um, well quite frankly crushed. Um, whereas one page rules, um, we 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 don't really have that. Um, and I think I think a lot, real quick another real a uh, real good aspect of one page rules is everything's done on a point calculator system. So mm -hmm. your 2,500 points is equivalent to somebody else's 2,500 points. In other game systems, like you can say something's overpowered, underpowered, especially with stratagem interactions and stuff like that. With one page rules, they cut all of that out. And so a lot of things that would not be viable, or a lot of models that wouldn't be viable in other gaming systems is suddenly on this not flat but on this curve of of average so we got to see a lot of variation in the armies that we brought yeah. like a few people had uh smaller armies with bigger units and flyers other people brought like a whole like mass like we had some like mass guard um action as well it was and it's it's almost been this liberating feeling of it doesn't matter what you bring mm -hmm. it's how you play it um i think i think i've gone a bit off topic from your original no so i'm that that is a talking point ladies and gentlemen you you jumped in early i like where you go you're going with that sir as i was going through the army list to build my death guard nothing jumped out at me as a bad choice nothing jumped out at me as a super optimized awesome choice either now there were some things that i went oh yeah i need to have the deadly keyword, for example, in case my opponent has some big, scary griblies or vehicles, but you know, I can pretty much take what I want. And I know I sent in my list and Lucas looked at it and said, you might need some more deadly in there. And then I didn't actually turn in, in any more deadly, uh, because I was kind of under the pump to get my dreadnought painted. And weirdly, though, I didn't have as much quote unquote deadly as a lot of the people I played. I didn't feel under uh, gunned at any particular point in the event. Now, albeit I didn't play anyone who had like 62 tanks. However, I did play a lot of people who had a lot of big griblies. And as you say, it was really nice to see a really nice variety of troops. There were a couple of other quote unquote death guard, plague marine, plague disciples lists there because that's what I was running. And they were very different from mine. And everyone seemed to be having a really good time and doing well with the stuff that they had, even though we were all running the same thing. There wasn't one choice of army. You know, there wasn't one list for each army, um, which was just wonderful to see. There was some, 
there was a little bit of work behind the scenes with keeping everything competitive as well. Um, like I said before, we had different, um, yeah, we, we had different missions. So some were progressive objectives, some were scan each of the quadrant and you actually need to use a squad unit to do that. And the other one was uh, king of the hill, but only scoring on the last, uh, on the last turn. But also mm -hmm. what we did between uh, missions was rearrange rule in this case, keeping it simple, is just removing some of the terrain. So we started off mm -hmm. with this big piece of obscuring terrain in the, in the middle of the battlefield. So shooting armies were a little bit disadvantaged. And then we, just to be clear oh, yep, from a yep, yep. player's perspective, I think it should be said that the terrain matched on every single table. Now, yes, yes. it matched, but it didn't match in that it was all a different theme. There were desert tables, there were you know forge world tables, there were you know all kinds. But the footprint of every table matched. But as you said, you changed it between games so that everyone got a different gaming experience each time. If that so, sorry, continue. Yes, yes, so that's correct. And so by by the last game, Shemadia was blown up to the point where that um, big piece of middle obscuring terrain was completely off the board, and that's actually where we put our final objective. So that, that kind of varying and forcing having squads for scanning uh, in Mission 2 and the switching between uh, progressive objectives and just like an end game objective really meant that you couldn't bring a single list that was going to be dominant in every single mission. So you really had to, you had to bring a real take all comers list and just play it as best you could. I couldn't agree more. I thought that was uh, a really nice touch, uh, especially the going from missions where to take an objective, you counted models to varying that to having missions where you counted the number of units to see who, you know, contested slash held each objective at the end of the game. It made for, as you say, for different types of listing, embarrassingly, um, because I was kind of in a hurry trying to get my list done. I didn't actually read the missions particularly closely. We played, uh, Dave and I play tested the second and third mission before coming to the event just to get our head around the rules and the missions. And, you know, hey, the rules packs out. We'll play these missions. But we didn't play the first one. So in the first round, I deployed and thought I was great and lined up against Robin and we were setting up and we were going and she jumped all of her, you know, uh, Eldar out and grab the objectives. And I went, cool, I'll blow you off those. And then all of a sudden she was taking a lot of points uh, at the end of the first turn. And I went, didn't realize that that's how this mission worked. Do I feel dumb now? But it, <laughs> it made for a really tight game that I had to then, you know, claw my way back. She said she had intentionally built the army for that mission. Um, knowing that she might be, you know, later a little bit more disadvantaged, but going for that fast grab hold and, you know, try and keep their opponent off. And I was just like, well, I guess I'll just lumber up the board and try and survive this. But again, it was, it was a, it was a fun game. And um, at no point did I feel like I was out of it completely, even though I'd misread the mission and totally misdeployed. <laughs> and it, again, it was a really cool gaming experience. So yeah. Um, note to self, be the guy. Like, I'm always the guy who says, read the player pack. Thought I did. Didn't read the first mission. Oh, well. Good to hear you had a good time, Brad. I did. I had a wonderful time. It was yeah. really good. 
Well, let's also talk about, um, so we hit the missions, we've hit the scenarios um, as far as the armies and how many different types there were. Did you have any takeaways as TOs that you weren't expecting? Albeit you've never run a game system or an event for this system before. Um, And I know that having run a lot of different games you know, events for different games over the years that sometimes different mechanics or different elements of game systems or communities can be surprising. Um, did you find anything surprising with this? Lucas, I'll start with you. I guess um, we, there were, there were a few mechanics that we wanted to look out for. We were um, aircrafts, for example, like we weren't sure how powerful they would be because they had a lot of rules that made them very hard to shoot down. Mm. Um, so we kept out an, an eye for that. Um, I think something that blindsided us possibly was the um, spawning mechanics. The certain units can spawn little baby units, like you know we had the uh, the you know robot legion spider equivalent that just kept pumping out scarabs, mm-hmm. um, or we had like your know, tyranids that could you know pump out um, spores, and they were qu- so quite tough to deal with. Like you know the um, the robot legion player said that you know you know maybe if he had two of these it, it might have been broken. Um, not entirely sure because like you know we we like those armies didn't end up topping the chart or anything like that so Mm. um hard to say but you know that was an impression that yeah maybe we should look into this um which i think is great like which i think was a really good sign of a really healthy game system where there wasn't a clear dominant you know broken Mm -hmm. mechanic combo that people could just exploit like everything did seem to balance out pretty well even the aircrafts you know, aircrafts kind of capture objectives, which and they can only move in one direction. Um, you know, so yeah, it's I think it's pretty pretty damn good. Oh, just more more of a general comment was um, r- running a tournament. It's a real team effort. Uh, we we had uh, Irish Lap, Natalie, uh, Chris, uh, Lucas, and myself, um, and a few others all all pitching in um, to help. So like we we we. Could, we couldn't have done it just us two on our own. Um, and then the other one is uh, continuously reaching out um, and keeping uh, players in the loop and like reminding and um, having chats with them again to really help build up that community. Because like the the uh, kind of my personal goal as as TO for this tournament was to really have this real blossom blossoming moment. Uh, for one page rules, like my my hope was everybody went home with a few more play partners for for future games. Um, so have, having it be um, not so much a focus on the competitive side on it, but more of a focus on I want people to go away wanting to play more with the people that they played with and the people they didn't get a chance to play with because they made friends. Absolutely. And that begs the question, will there be a next time? I know that you guys were talking about things at the at the end of the event. Are you excited to run another one of these for Grim Dark Future? Are you excited to possibly run an event for another one-page rules game system? Or was this a fun one and done? Now I'm going back to my to my main squeeze. Um, Alec, I'll start with you and then we'll jump to Lucas. I think I think it would be an absolute 
disservice after such a successful tournament um, to just to just pack it up and move on. No, no. Uh, one page rules is definitely uh, my first and my love at this point. Barely play 40k anymore. So uh, hopefully. Uh, maybe later in the year we put another tournament together and I can see it just being that little bit more technical now uh, now that we've got this um, player base that's um, like we've been to a tournament um, so we can have some more interesting missions and people can go back and think about the next army they want to bring uh, and maybe upping the points as well. We found that uh, 3,000 points is actually a real sweet spot uh, for one-page rules. So uh, that that's that's my disposition. What about yourself, Lucas? Absolutely 3,000 points. Um, no no brainer there. The, um, the only question is, do we go the advanced rules or do we just have secondary objectives? Definitely, um, I'm leaning towards having the advanced rules. Like, they're not that hard. They're not, I think they just add that nice, extra level of tactical decision making like you know then yeah. you get your you have your overwatch equivalent you have your um you know double charge I'm sorry double fighting mechanics like things that are i think interesting tactical decisions to be made yeah um and but look having said that we need to test it like you know let's 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 try it out in our communities you know and see how it feels see what people think and um cuz like you know we we do this we do this to grow the community like we don't do this for you know, fame or money or anything like that. Like we purely do this because we want people to play this game. Exactly. Right. Now a mechanic that Dave and I were talking a lot about before the event, just to continue with what you guys were saying a second ago was we were wondering about ambush. Now the way ambush works in this, it's like deep striking you would expect from other game systems where you can place a unit more than nine inches from an opposing unit. And then they, and that's at the start of the turn. And then over the turn, they get to do their thing when it's their turn, when you, you know, choose to activate them. Now that can be particularly powerful given that in this game you charge 12 inches. So you can dump an assault unit 10 inches from something. And yes, you have to wait until you activate the unit, but if you're going first, there's a chance you'll, you'll get to do something before anyone can react to them coming onto the table and getting assaulted like that can feel bad, especially if you have a lot of them. Now, I, I full disclosure, I did bring the Death Guard because I really wanted to take this army and play with it because I, I really hadn't finished it. It gave me an excuse to finish it. But I really wanted to bring my old eyeballs of Zinch out, my old Zinch demon <laughs> army. But what stopped me, besides wanting to put the Death Guard on the table, was more to the point... I didn't want to be the guy that showed up with an army that started with nothing on the table. And then I put down things where I wanted. And I was worried that the ambush rule could have been abusive. Now I played several players that had, you know, significant ambushing armies. And yes, it is a powerful mechanic, but the way things are pointed and the way the game works, it was surprisingly not oppressive at all. And now I'm kind of just want to put my Zinch Demon eyeball army on the table and give it a go. And I did play Maddie in the middle game who had six Terminators tooled out for combat with a crazy Sorcerer Lord, again, tooled out for combat, who then teleported behind my army and charged. And every part of me went, oh, God, not in the face. Yeah, it didn't feel great. But also it wasn't bad, if that makes sense. 
as you say, I mean, there are people that run events for fame and fortune, but I mean, this, <laughs> this is a game system that costs $7 to buy that is really community driven. And it is wonderful to see two gentlemen like yourself running an event that supports and builds that community because that really is the focus of this game. Now, have you guys done a lot of looking at one page rule, grim, dark future events in other cities, other countries? Um, because this is from what I understand, one of the largest grim, dark future events in the world. I reached out. Um, I noticed that, um, you know, on the grim, dark, um, Facebook page, there, there was talk of another tournament in the UK. And so I, I did reach out to them and they were very happy to respond. They sent, sent, sent us their player packs and, you know, they, they had their own custom rules and things. And um, uh, 12, they had 12 players, 12 or 16, like somewhere around there. Yeah. And that, that was the only other tournament I could find. So, you know, I do believe that we, we are um, at, the, at this point in time, at this, you know, very, could be a very short moment in time that we are the largest, you know, OPR community in the world. And it feels great to be able to say that. Yeah, it's very yeah. like a lot of hard work. You know, Alec, Alec, you know, reaches out to so many people, um, and you know myself as well. You know, trying to pick up, you know, um, bring introduce us to as many people as we can. Um, and yeah, like we hope it keeps growing. Like um, we're gonna outgrow the venue. I think we need to think about how we're gonna deal with that. <laughs> but that's you know that's a good problem to have. Exactly right. I man, I hate it when you have too many players who want to play you know, in your events because yeah. they're having fun. Yeah, they're having fun. Like, I mean, we may have to consider maybe maybe doing a doubles tournament, maybe. I, I don't know. This is, uh, like, we need to have a proper debrief. Like, the, the actual tournament was only, like, is it two days ago? Yeah, mm -hmm. two days like, ago. Two days ago. <laughs> you know, like, we, we, we still haven't actually had a private debrief about it amongst ourselves, amongst the committee about what we'd like to do next time. Um, although I did sort of put a post out just to sort of get a gauge of what people are wanting for next time. And yeah, there's definitely an appetite for more Grimdark Futures. There's definitely an appetite mm -hmm. for you know the larger game. Um, unclear yet whether everybody wants to do the advanced rules, but you know, we'll see in time. We'll see how it shakes out. All right. Um, yeah, like as as far as I'm aware, this is the biggest one page tools, uh one page rules tournament with that's ever been run. So yeah, that's I'm I'm real stoked that it's blown up here in Melbourne. Um, but yeah, a lot of reaching out to um, players that I've played and introduced 40k to in the past that have then decided that the rule system isn't for them. And so then they've got their models collecting dust on the shelf and then reaching back out to them and, hey, we've got this. It's a lot more lightweight. I think you'll find it a lot more fun. And then we we had people playing in the tournament that I haven't seen in the club in six months or a year, having fun with their models again without any of the molasses or like build up that comes with other gaming systems. And so that that's been a huge success as well. I mean, I hadn't played a 40k game other than a one off of Rogue Trader during the break between lockdowns in 2020. In 11 years, I, you know, speaking to Robin in round one, she was the same way. And the opponent I had in round three who came second, oh God. Um, oh, Matt, Matthew Matt. with his battle sisters. Yes. yes. The nuns with all the guns. <laughs> nuns with all the guns. I'm so proud of him. He, 
we were so stressed out because um you know he 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 loved his sisters he built yeah. a list and he in the practice um sessions leading up the tournament he just got clobbered all the <laughs> time like it actually started making me feel like oh my god maybe maybe some armies aren't balanced and then you know he came out with that combo and yeah he came second like he did so well I, I drew exactly. him last round, but I thought I was fully pantsed for the entirety <laughs> of that game. I was going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, so many guns. And my units were just shrinking. It was like mm -hmm. it was like ice, like ice in the rain, just watching it. You know, it's like, oh, God, please survive. <laughs> please survive. Please survive. I assure you that army works. Because like, on paper, right, you've got units hitting on fours in a game where yeah. most units are hitting on threes. Like mm -hmm. on paper, it looks terrible. Like all your weapons are short mm -hmm. range, you know. Sure, you got bodies, but you like you're paying for them. Yeah. They're not as as cheap as like guardsmen. Mm -hmm. So hard to say, hard to know what they were gonna do. But yo, he made them work. He did. And, he and really real did. It was, but he hadn't played 40k in years either. Um, yep. he'd been playing. He'd jumped to uh, Horus Heresy. So again, mm. I, it was just. So many people I talked to were like, yeah, I used to play 40K and I'm back for this. And it, it gave people the opportunity to bust their toys out of the cupboard and have a good time again, which was just awesome to see. Well, yeah, gentlemen, I want to quickly jump ahead and talk about the army composition because there was a little bit of tweaking of the rules. You guys didn't change the rules of the game so much, but you did take some of the there is a an additional document that is used for this game system that is the quote-unquote competitive rules um, that helps to balance out a few things if you're going to play in an event. And you used a number of those rules and you added some of your own rules as well. Um, just to start with, the initial document you put out said that you must have at least three units of infantry. You can't have any more than five heroes. You cannot have more than three copies of the same units now one of the neat mechanics in this game is you can buy a unit and double size it you buy basically two of the same thing and combine them um that those only count as one um so for my plague marine army i actually had five five man groups but i combined them to be a 10-man group a 10-man group and a five-man group and that followed your max copy of three uh units you can't you couldn't have a unit that was more than 833 points, which did make me think that I could squeeze a bloodthirster in there at one point. Um, a mixed armies. And that's the thing in this game. You can take dual armies in one force, but you must have 1500 points from a primary faction. Now there were other things that came out along the way. Why choose these rules? And what were some of the additional rules that you implemented later? And did you put those in because of things you were seeing um, or was it just play testing? Yeah, I, th I think it was a bit of play testing and um, oh, full disclosure here. Like I reckon you can probably brick or break this game um, in one way or another. Mm. Um, uh, and so some of the competitive rules that you just said are from um, the competitive rules document and the the one big one that we put in was having at least three squad units we wanted people to bring armies we didn't want people just to bring toys on their own like and but that that's that's totally fine you can play the game like that but for the for the tournament we did want a specific um theme of like these are proper 
army feeling armies that you that you're playing with but also fighting against um, so that that was kind of a, a way to smooth it out and then the missions on top of that uh, adding things like um, ruins with the terrain so you can mm -hmm. have units move through it but uh, single model units can't and then the addition of obscuring terrain as well which was essentially copy pasted um, from 40k meaning that uh, we were we could be a lot more liberal with the terrain so it wasn't as um, like there wasn't that much of an ability to be that guy because of um, these rules that we put in mm -hmm. to kind of smooth out um, the rough edges of the system, and so I, th I think personally uh, they were a great success. What do you What do you think, Lucas? Yeah, absolutely. Like the fact that there wasn't any army type that dominated, um, the fact that everybody felt like there weren't any nasty gotcha moments or nasty rules lawyering going on, and like yeah, I, I think it was a complete success. And, you know, it still had variety. Like, I mean, you know, we, we had a player who played um, Imperial Knights. Like, you know, he, he could still make that list work. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think, um, I mean, a lot of those rules that you read out, um, that we read, that, that came straight from you know, the one-page rules, um, you know, guidelines. Like, we didn't make up that stuff. Like, that was just what they recommended. It made listing interesting because as an old 40K player, a lot of my armies, like my Dark Eldar Witch Cult, is entirely witches and went oh oh no i can't run that because i can only run three squads of 10 witches and the raiders that go in them and i'll have to paint another half an army to this which is interesting given how small the armies are for this anyway and then my plague marines i had nothing but plague marines painted and kind of a land raider and so i was like oh quick i'll paint a spawn and some and a dreadnought and, you know, maybe a character model and we'll go from there. Oh, I can throw some zombies in that I painted like a million years ago. Um, what else can I squeeze in? So the three unit rule did force me to put more diversity in my army. And I am happy it was there. At first, I thought, God, that's frustrating. Like as a, someone in, in bolt action who likes to run a themed list, running a themed list of just one thing is encouraged in that system. And it just made me think of, you know, how different game systems are different, if that makes sense. Um, but I absolutely understand why you would want variety um, so that people wouldn't just take maybe one unit and then brick if someone in the face with it a thousand times. But I think this game has less of those units. But I think Alex, right. I think if you really tried, you could probably break this. But it is nice that a lot of thoughts gone into balancing it. Um, would you guys, am I speaking out of class here or do you guys agree with that? I absolutely agree. Uh, Lucas? Yeah, of course. Um, like this this tournament, I wouldn't go as far as to say that it teetled it itself, but certainly like I, I think we had a lot less of that intervention from our end as organizers than i think a 40k tournament would like i think people just seem to you know self like sort themselves out um quite well and you know like the, the lack of like not too many layers of rules like not not too many weird interactions that can happen like you know we, we, we had a few things with like you know transports and things coming at transport or transport blowing up but you know they're very much like on the edge and you know, of course, any complex system game you, you can break. Like you can break any game. You can break chess, I think, really, if you really wanted to. But 
I think this is fine. I think this is like like really a, a step up from, you know, like um like yeah, forty k. Yeah, exactly. I do want to say something here that might be a little strange for people who regularly listen to the show. I mean, the introduction of this show should have told you that this is a podcast where we talk about a ton of games. But I know having been a rabid player of 40K for, God, a huge chunk of my gaming career, uh, I know that it's really easy to get on that that treadmill and to stay on it because it's it's perpetuating. It's designed that way. I worked in the sales department. I know there's new releases 52 weeks of the year on purpose. It's to keep people interested and to keep them looking and buying and to keep them engaged with how the game works. I'm not saying that cynically. I'm saying that that is literally how it's designed. And because of that, and because of the way the game is constantly updated, it is in a very engaging uh, game system that will keep you looking at it and not looking elsewhere um, because there's constantly new shinies, because there's constant updates that you know change the way you play the game. So have you stumbled on this podcast and haven't listened to anything else and you're new to this and you just saw the header? Um, first of all, welcome. Second of all, if you are a 40K player, I'm not saying that you should stop playing 40K and should play this immediately. That is definitely not where I'm going. But I think that if you are only looking at one game system and you think, oh, this isn't 40K, I'm not going to have a go at this. As someone who played 40K forever, I highly recommend you pick this up and give it a go. If you only play one other game system, I still recommend you pick this up and have a go. I think an unbelievable amount of thought has gone into it. It is a modern, streamlined game system. Yes, we will be going into more of the mechanics in the future. I'll probably have uh, our good buddy Dave Hunsdale back on, um, who also helped me with some of the questions for tonight. Thanks, Dave. Love your work. I do not lightly say that this is a game that has me so excited about wargaming again. I can't tell you. Does that mean I'm going to stop playing Bolt Action? Of course not. Bolt Action's the main squeeze that I talked about earlier. However, there are lots of great games, and it would be remiss to not talk about this one. And my big regret is that I didn't pick it up earlier. Um, so many of you messaged the page and told me to get into this. And I said, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I get to it. Let me just say you were right. I should have done it earlier. Gentlemen, anything you would like to add? Yeah. Um, you know, like the question I want everyone to ask is, you know, do you own Warhammer or does Warhammer own you? When you talk about the treadmill, like when you talk about that, like I really want people to think critically about that because it is so easy to get swept up and to just take whatever it is they're throwing out because you have to, because that's what all your friends are doing. And I, I think it's really powerful and healthy for the, the hobby, the hobby that there is option, there is choice, there, there, there mm -hmm. are other things out there. And um, look, if, if I can mention the... Uh, um, you know, from the D&D world, because I'm also a role player as well, like D&D had that whole thing with OGL. The mm -hmm. community only had leverage because, you know, Wizards of the Coast know that there are options they could turn to. You yeah. know, like with, with Warhammer, it is so much harder because you've invested thousands of dollars and years of your life mm -hmm. to your armies 
you 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 may feel like you are dependent on their rule set, but when you have you know one page rules around, you, you you're not like there are other options, and you know if only you ever play once, and it's free, you should definitely give it a go. Amen. I could not have said that better myself. Although that was a savage intro to that, I was like, oh god. <laughs> In forty k, a gateway to being one of the best players is having an encyclopedia of knowledge of the systems of the game, including how your army works and how all your opponent armies works and very finicky um, interactions. In one-page rules, it's not about remembering all your rules and exactly how to play your army. It's more about your how good of a general you actually are making tactical decisions kind of drawing closer to something like chess where you're Mm -hmm. playing your opponent in that real time alternating activations trying to outwit and outthink and outplay as you're both actively engaging on the field so that's that's my pitch for one page rules that and also it's free and it'll take you half the time to play and you'll have a better understanding of how to play it than 40k within one game Exactly. I mean, I can't underestimate or uh, I can't underemphasize the fact that Dave and I sat down to play this and by turn two or three and we had no one coaching us. um, We did have our friend Nick who was sitting with the new uh, with the rules. And so the three of us were kind of talking through it as we went. But by turn two or three, we had it down pat. And then, yes, there were things we were looking up. Yes, we had some questions. And yeah, we had a couple debates here and there. And we messaged the Facebook page a couple of times with some, some questions about things. But it was so easy to pick up. But it made for such a tactical game. And it felt right. And it it felt very bolt action-y in that it is the alternating activations. It is a streamlined system as far as the number of dice you're rolling. And it's very interactive with you and your opponent. It just made for a really nice gaming experience. And one that I would encourage other people to have a go. Uh, even if you don't have anyone who quote unquote plays it already, all you need is a is a friend who is also interested in, you know, and curious about things. Uh, and you can pick it up pretty quickly as well. And the online community for this game is unbelievably good. So if you go to any number of Facebook pages, there's a lot of them. Um, I highly recommend the OPR uh, Grimdark Future slash Grimdark Future Firefight page. I have asked a couple uh, questions on there. They've been answered quickly and more to the point, nicely. Um, It it is so beginner friendly and so welcoming. It is such a wonderful uh, way to jump into a community. Now, I, I do want to talk quickly about the Warpling Club because the venue is great. The people are great. Talk to us about who are the Warplings and how can people find you? Well, it's a church. So, you know, follow, follow, <laughs> follow, follow the light of, you know, no, um, Facebook, Facebook, like, you know, of Warplings, and we're based in Flemington. Um, we're, we're close to the station there. Um, yeah, jump online, um, chat chat to us. And um, especially if um, now that the club has been quite successful, um, it's filling up. Like we're, we're, we're getting full houses, like 
very often. So, you know, you actually now we, we're at a point now where we need to actually book tables ahead, um, which is um, which is great, but also could make things a bit difficult. So definitely get online first, chat to us first. Um, but but otherwise, yes, please come along. Like we play lots of different games. We encourage lots of different games. There are some incredibly passionate people behind it who are you know, working on terrains, um, 3D printing, you know, amazing things, um, working on tables. Like, you know, the terrain that we had on display, like 15 tables worth, like that was all the club terrain. You know, it, and it was, and it was really nice looking. Really nice looking. And, you know, it was made by the community. Like, you know, they, they would have, um, you know, painting nights where people would take out some club terrains and we all sit around the table, drink beer and just, you know, paint away. You know, and because we could see the the fruit of our labor, like it's really, like really wonderful to have that community feeling. Yeah, so that's Warplings in brackets, Wargaming and Dumplings on Facebook. And also, while we're doing pluggables, I would absolutely want to plug um, the One Page Rules Discord as well. You can get your rules questions answered in real time, as we did on the day of the tournament for some a few rules clarifications and also if you are interested absolutely consider um subscribing to their patreon especially if you're a 3d printer because you'll mm -hmm. be able to get um the sdls that they release every month and also they release mission packs every month so if you want to vary up your game you can you can subscribe and download them uh, so yeah, lots of good stuff in the Patreon. There's there's uh, two tiers to it. I am I am a I don't have a 3D printer, but I am a subscriber because I'd, I'd be a hypocrite if I wasn't. <laughs> but it's a hundred thousand people support this game. How many times do we talk about on this podcast? You know, it's an up and coming game, uh, or it's about to be released, and you go to a Facebook page. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's like 500 people here. They're really passionate, but they're all over the world. I think this game is just growing and growing and growing. And the number of Patreon followers is largely uh, indicative of where it's going. So the hype train is real, boys and girls. Check it out. And it's not an expensive Patreon either, from what I understand. I see the 7 or $14. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And if you want the 3D <laughs> print files, the $14 one gets you access to countless armies, and they're nice. Like, they're really nice. I put a lot um, of I was looking at someone's who was 3D printed from that. Um, a friend was printing things and sending me pictures. And I was going, I cannot believe that that is from that. Oh. We'll have to do another 3D printing uh, episode coming up soon just to talk about the phenomenon. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. And gentlemen, thank you so much for running such a fun event. I had a blast. Dave also had a blast. We will be back. Please run more. And uh, if I can get out of work at a reasonable point at some time in my life, I will be back to play games at your regular club night. But I think that takes us to what our buddy Casey always says. When you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope that your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. Stop.